Now, Gandhi has said that that part the of Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. The incident has been condemned by many, with the Taoiseach saying there was no justification for the vandalism. Now, joining me is Pauline O'Reilly, Galway-based Senator and Chair of the Green Party. Pauline, good morning. Good morning, Pat. What is your reaction uh, to what happened? The Gandhi saying likely to be arson. I'm just incredibly sad um, for our local community here in Galway because I don't believe that it's representative of Galway people and unfortunately we're at the centre now of this um, of this discussion. I was already deeply concerned before that fire because um, there was a stoking, I believe, by some local politicians um, in the days leading up to that and, um, and indeed a blockade um, and, I, and I don't believe that that's the way to have your feelings. Is it heard. your suspicion um, that uh, some local elements were involved in the setting of this fire without mentioning any names, oh. of course? But do you think it was local rather than, you know, these smart boys from Dublin coming in and setting fire to a place? Oh, I absolutely can't comment on the on a criminal investigation. I mean, the Gardaí are looking at that. But I do know that... Um, you know, there were a couple of local councillors who in particular were at the, the blockade and I can't I can't speak for anyone else who was there. Um, and I think that unfortunately people believe that this is the correct way to go about it. But if you could imagine approaching, if you were somebody, an asylum seeker who is legally entitled to seek asylum and refuge where you're, um, you're fleeing from appalling situations in your own home countries and you come up and you see people blocking your way to get in and get a roof over your head. I mean, that's pure intimidation and that's not the mark of um, of the kind of society that most of us want um, to live do, in. That's do you know not, how, how, how Ireland, long ago it became apparent that this uh, particular hotel was being refurbished for uh, asylum seekers? I mean, was it you know well known in the community? Was it discussed at all? Because it's privately owned. It's privately owned and uh, unfortunately what happens is that these contracts come up, it's an emergency situation. So we were informed on Friday and um, Saturday night it was set ablaze um, but people weren't due to come in until Thursday. It was quite clear that there would be um, plenty of discussion as to on, in relation to integration, in relation to services and I do know that people have concerns over services. We're talking about rural areas. Um, but unfortunately, we're, we're in that situation where it's between putting a roof over somebody's head and ensuring that they're safe um, or not having a roof over people's head. And I believe that the vast majority of people would prefer to ensure that people had um, safe refuge while they are undergoing an asylum process. In do, the do you, though, have a, any concerns? They can or can't stay. You know, the, the concerns about, uh, you know, some people are saying, you know, we don't want them end off. Other people are saying we would love to have them if the facilities were there for them. But, you know, this is a very out of the way hotel. What are they supposed to be doing all day? How are they to be served by medical services, by educational services uh, and so on? Um, do you appreciate that some people might have genuine concerns? I think everybody has genuine concerns when it comes to services. I don't see that there's an issue with discussing that. But um, but the kind of fear-mongering around, you know, being fearful about individuals um, uh, is is completely different. And and I don't believe that it's fair to people. To, um, and particularly, I'm thinking of, 
you know, the migrant community more generally in Ireland, the kind of language that's used, the kind of incendiary language that's used around being fearful about the people themselves who are coming to our country is completely different to a conversation about services. And I believe that the, that the um, you know, having people um, homed in urban settings is probably more appropriate when it comes to services, but it's not always achievable. Now, I know that there are communities right across the country who are um, completely happy with the kind of arrangements in terms of migrant populations moving in, even in fairly large numbers, very well integrated, um, very much part of communities. And that's what we want to see. Mm. And, you know, starting off having supposedly a debate by blockading is not... Um, an appropriate response. Yeah. I don't do, believe do you believe And I do believe the locals were going on yeah. here. Uh, do you believe, Pauline, that the locals perhaps were ambushed by this in the sense that they found out a, about it very late? And is that a, maybe even something that's done deliberately by the department? Because one of the things they probably realise, uh, Minister O'Gorman probably realises, if you start an early debate about something, it's just not going to happen. People are going to mount their resistance and there'll be all sorts of arguments um, against the provision of accommodation for asylum seekers and refugees. And it'll become just too tedious. They'll never get it done. Whereas by announcing at the last minute or relatively speaking, uh, quite late in the day that this is going to happen, it maybe might, as I say, ambush people a little and it's happened and then it turns out fine because the 70 people who are going to be there turn out to be really good people who uh, are very grateful for what the state has provided for them. This was, te- this was temporary, it was for one year, that's what the contract was for. So it's not a, you know, it's a not a long-standing uh, contract that we're talking about. And, you know, like a, a conversation around what kind of services are there was to happen. Um, but as soon as something is announced, this is the this being the reaction is not helpful, and I think that um, we we can't make decisions to say well this is a private property and um, and people blockade and therefore we say oh well no we've changed our mind we're not going to do it I mean people still need to need to be accommodated so the conversation isn't between accommodating or not accommodating people in the area. The conversation is about what services, what wraparound yeah. services, and what integration needs to happen. Was from there that any point. detail That's given the of the nature of the the seventy people who were coming there? I mean, it, it would be one thing to have seventy lads, you know, in their early twenties or whatever, all together in one place. Which uh, seventy lads of any description, Irish or otherwise, uh, there might be certain tensions that would break out. You can't play football all day. If, however, it was a number of families and their children there might be a very different attitude, no matter where they came from, what part of the world. Um, So was there any discussion about uh, the nature of the accommodation being provided? I mean, it was quite clear that it's for for international protection and it is for male international protection. But again, I think... I mean, are they families or are they uh, single men? Well, well, I just told you that they were, that they were to be men, so there were seventy men, and and I don't think that it's appropriate to say exactly what each individual's background is. It's a proper asylum process that's gone through that looks at everybody's background, does fingerprinting, uh, checks watch lists, all of that is part of the asylum process. 
So that that's not for each, you know, each politician to know the detail of every person's background to just think that that will be a recipe for disaster. But there's an asylum process that's robust and is internationally recognised. People have a right to seek refuge in our country, as we would expect the same for our children in other countries. You're talking about people who are coming from war-torn areas and who have a right then to, to have that determination made that they deserve yeah. and that um, they are As soon as you said that, uh, Pauline, one of the texters popped up. It's not a proper process. That's the actual problem. I mean, we know, for example, that uh, people get through uh, our borders because they come down from Belfast. It's uh, a completely poorer situation. We know that people get on a plane with papers and fetch up uh, seeking asylum without any papers at all. Um, so it's not a perfect process. I think there is a huge amount of misinformation. And as I've already said, people are fingerprinted. So there's there, there's no question of not knowing the detail of where people have come from. And the process itself has been much shortened, particularly for people who are coming from, um, you know, countries that maybe um, from the outside appear safe. So the much quicker process to make a determination as to whether they can stay or be deported. And many people are. So that, I think the real challenge here is that we do have a growing um, kind of political manipulation and cynicism that is spreading in misinformation. And not only is it, uh, you know, is it challenging as a politician who is standing up and saying that, you know, we, we have to look at ourselves as human beings and to treat others with dignity and respect as we would expect it. It's challenging to do that um, in the face of this mm. in misinformation. But the bigger concern that I have is that this has a knock-on impact for everybody that is perceived to look different to other people in their neighbourhood. And that, I believe, is the real fear and, and challenge that we have in our society is to combat that scaremongering about people mm. who are perceived now, there was a time, to a um, community. There was a time, Pauline, when um, people would say they're coming in to take our jobs. Well, you know, we have, relatively speaking, uh, full employment, technically speaking, full employment. There are loads of sectors out there who are crying out uh, for for labour. Um, so one of the, the texters here says, why are there not large reception centres at the points of entry? Dublin, Cork, Rosslair, applications could be processed quicker. And if someone is granted asylum, then they should be free to get a job, move where they want to in the country. But if they fail the asylum process, then they should be deported. Uh, and how can people be processed efficiently if they're scattered all over the place? And I mean, two relevant points there uh, that we might need to you know, change our rules in terms of uh, asylum seekers being able to work as soon as we give them the right to stay. Uh, but that business of trying to process people quickly, we know of people who've been here in uh, asylum centres for six, seven, eight years and the process with all the legalese and so on, not yet complete. And how is that fair to them or, or their children? Look, I think um, like there have been huge changes. So the, the, the kind of stories that there were in the past, um, they are much more infrequent now. Um, but I do think that 
the, the process is not perfect in terms of where people are staying and um, the over-reliance on private accommodation. I do believe we need much more state accommodation and, um, and, and that has to be worked through. And I think, you know, the department's been really clear about that, that we need a longer term plan. Like w- what was a, an emergency response to Ukraine, we're now two years later. So that entire process needs to be changed. And the, the vast, vast majority of people have been coming from yeah. Ukraine. So it's 75,000. Yeah, but the international, they, they have a different yes, jurisdiction coming in, the Ukrainians, uh, because of EU decisions. Uh, but Alan in Dublin says, can you please tell the senator that Georgia, Albania and Algeria are not war-torn countries? And this is where most of the international asylum seekers are coming from. Why are they coming well, here? I, uh, from from well, countries that we deem to be safe? People are entitled to seek refuge, but it's it's that has been sped up to a matter of weeks for people coming from particular countries, the determination as to whether they get to stay or they're deported. So I'll just be quite clear about that. So there are a couple of different lists of countries. But in, I do want to make the point, the really important point here, that the, the country is uh, putting a roof over the head of 75,000 people from Ukraine um, in terms of state accommodation. Now, it's using a lot of private property, and I think that that's part of the the issue, but it's only 26,000 when it comes to international protection. So the numbers, in people's minds, the numbers are much, much larger than that. But that's because a lot of people in our country are here on work visas, and it's a different type of migration. And that is... Come, you know, we, we wouldn't survive as a country if we didn't have people coming okay. in. A final and, point and from... my worry is that people, people will look at others around them and make some kind of determination about them when everybody deserves that kind of respect okay. and dignity. Um, Jennifer, a final point to, to you uh, about this from, from Common. She says, to say that you can just put 70 unemployed men in one space with next to no English probably is part of a proper process, that's absolutely bonkers. Never mind what nationality they are, that doesn't matter. The sheer concept of it is crazy and deluded by those making decisions. And that's what a lot of people are saying. 70 people all from all different parts of the world, maybe not having English, who knows what animals there might be between various people from different parts of the world, to put them all together with nothing to do all day, that just as a concept is bonkers. We, we're in an emergency situation and, and, it, and the choi- if there's a choice between putting a roof over people's heads and keeping them safe and not having a roof over their heads, then you have to choose the roof over their heads. Right. Like any, any human being should do that. But we absolutely do need a, a, a longer term solution that is going to admit that migration is a fact of life and to have those kind of centres that, uh, that have all of the services. All right. Pauline, thank you very much for joining us. That's Pauline O'Reilly, Galway based Senator and Chair of uh, the Green Party. Uh, just one last postscript from Brendan in Tipperary. My wife and I and our two daughters stayed in that burnt out hotel for two nights in the summer of 2022 when dropping our son to Irish College in the west of Ireland. Gorgeous listed building, best experience in a family run hotel that we ever had. Well, it was, of course, being refurbished and now it has been torched. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.